Say, kids, what time is it? It's kind of like watching TV, but, you know, in your car. 104.7 The Cave is Springfield's pure classic rock. I'm like the intern in the studio this morning with Jay Stevens. It is the dark side of the stream, and today we are going to discuss... Oh, the smoothest. We should have worn all white. You know what? They had some unbelievable outfits, man. Unbelievable outfits. So fly. You already know this about me, that I am a softie at heart. Yes, I listen to some heavy metal, and I I like heavy music, but I'm also a softie. And right now, we are listening to my 45 copy of How Deep Is Your Love on vinyl. Yes, sir, I do have a 45 of How Deep Is Your Love by the Bee Gees. Actually, it's the B-side. Staying Alive is the A-side. Sexy stuff, Oh, dude. my God. So, a couple weeks ago, you might not know this, but Jay Stevens is also a softie. Yes, he gives off the rock and roll singer persona. He's a tough guy. Shh, don't Ladies tell anyone. They him, think I'm a bad boy. But he is a softie, guys, and he wants to know how deep is your love. A couple weeks ago, he came in, and he goes, Mike, Mike, oh my God, oh my God. I saw this documentary about the Beatles or the Bee Gees and I was just like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. I had no idea these guys had wrote so many hits. Yeah, yes. I didn't know. I didn't know. All I knew was, was uh, Saturday Night Fever. I didn't know they had a whole prior history. They had a huge career before they even come back. Well, that was I like realize their, this now. That was their third comeback. Their third they hit Come lightning back. in a bottle on that one, too. So they're, they're third. And we'll get to that in a minute. we got a lot to discuss Woo. in this dark side of the stream. We were actually discussing the documentary, um, How Do You Mend a Broken Heart? It was on HBO Max. Uh, really, really cool documentary. If you're not familiar with the Bee Gees like Jay wasn't, you will learn a lot about this group. Um, and I actually had to write down a bunch of stuff. Uh, yeah, you went, to this you went serious on I went this notes, one. My there's gosh. a lot to cover. Um, when do you ever show up with notes? But first, yeah, I know, right? Um, so, you know, they they wanted their first goal. Uh, they're from Australia. And their first goal was to make it big in England. And it didn't take them too long to do that. They actually sent some demos to Brian Epstein um, with NEMS, who was uh, the, the managing team for the Beatles. And that's literally how they got signed and discovered in England. And they were a big deal there. Huge. They, it was amazing. I, could, I, I, I had no clue about all this history of these guys. So they... Like I said, early on, they were kind of like a, a British pop group, if you will. Like a um, boy band, yeah. Yeah, kind of kind of in the same vein as, uh, you know, the um, the Beatles, but the Beatles were writing albums and stuff. But, you know, they, they started releasing um, songs really as uh, 67. And then um, there were some, you know, okay hits. Wasn't like huge, huge hits. But They rode the waves of fame but up they, and down. But they definitely did kind of fit into that uh, Bee Gees thing. And then all of a sudden, one of the dudes from Oasis appears in the documentary. And I go, yeah. this is why he likes there it so much. There you go. I was sold. <laughs> yeah, you get with the Gallagher's in. Gallagher's in. And I was like, okay, Jason. Yeah, in. for that dude to like something, you, you know that they're good. Well, you know? obviously his tie was the fact that he was also in a band with his brother. And this was a group of uh, guys that were brothers that really wrote a lot of great songs. And their their album, Bee Gees First, was kind of a psychedelic record. But it's not a bad album. If you've never heard it, check it out. It kind of falls into that vein of what was happening in 67. But then they really hit uh, the nail on the head with the song Massachusetts. That was kind of their big Which hit I thought was a terrible song. Sad. Also, New York Mining Disaster 1941. <laughs> also uh, uh, a very interesting song. But the one that they definitely knocked it out of the park with from that era was To Love Somebody. 
which was originally intended to be an Otis Redding song. I guess uh, the manager who really kind of took these guys under his wing said, hey, you got to check out this guy. They go and see Otis Redding. They're blown away. And then uh, Barry goes back home and writes to Love Swan. But he doesn't. He writes it for Otis Redding to sing. But then Otis Redding passed away in the plane crash. But he actually wrote it for the manager. Did you know that? No, I didn't know. To love somebody. The Way I Love You was written for their manager. Wow. Um, (laughs) Now, look. I know this song, but did somebody else cover it or something to make to it famous? Somebody? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been covered by everyone. Like Nina Simone I, I, did it. Because I Janice when that song, I was it. like, oh, I know Roberta this song. Flax, it, obviously, Michael Bolton's, uh, you know, version was big. Eric Burden, the Animals did it. Grant Parsons did it. I mean, it's that's the thing about the Bee Gees is like there is a lot of times where they'd write a song it would do good, and then someone else would cover it, it would do huge. better. Okay. But All that right, was gotcha. yeah. Fair so enough. that was kind of what happened with uh, to love somebody. But it it it, it love somebody. It cracks me up that that was just kind of you know and then i started a joke which is also a really kind of sad song kind of a downer um but then they would uh continue on doing the late 60s thing until things just fell apart and we will talk about oh, the man, second, gets, wave second wave second wave right it. uh next dark side of the stream on 104.7 the cave say kids what time is it it's kind of like watching tv but you know in your car Jay Stevens, Mike the Intern, back in the studio, Dark Side of the Stream, kind of a lighter edition today, discussing the documentary, How Can You Mend a Broken the Heart Bee-Gees, by the Bee Gees. Great, great documentary. If you're not familiar with the band, um, you'll definitely get a good history lesson. And so we're to the uh, first time they kind of dissolved a little bit. Um, they would break up towards the end of the 60s, early 70s, and then they wouldn't really see each other for a while. They were they kind of just got to a point where they were they were done with each other. Um, and, you know, kind of like almost like break up. Yeah, like, wives yeah, come hiatus, in. You can tell that they, they, they still loved each other, but they needed time because they had re- literally been working together for decades because they started singing together when they were kids. Right. Right. So you get a little bit old of tired of everybody. You don't want to creative see differences. Yeah. Wives come in. Everyone starts. But really, you get a little bit of money, you know. I mean, Barry Gibbs still married the same wife wow, he had. Man. Um, and then I think they all kind of stayed married, except for one got divorced and then remarried. But that was it. They were they were kind of just uh, normal dudes that could write really good songs. Why so dudes, man? They actually broke up, and then the the way they got back together was "How Can You Mend a Broken Heart," which is an amazing song. Um, it was years before I actually knew this was a BG song because I'm a huge soul guy. Al Green's How Can You Mend a Broken Heart is an unbelievable cover of this song. Personally, I think it's better. But, you know, uh, the, the Bee Gees did a great, it's their song. I mean, it was unbelievable. But then, like, with, within a year, Al Green covered it and it was just all over the place. But uh, that was kind of where they went. And then they kind of rode that train for a little bit, and then kind of people started to kind of forget about him. You know, the whole yeah. British pop nice popular, thing, not the popular, sad ballad popular, stuff, not popular. just kind of meh. Everyone's like, okay, they were they were going from you know having a really good song to just not not doing very well on tours, and things weren't really going their way. And so <clears throat> it was Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton of all people, because they are on RSO records, they ended up moving to RSO, and they were those are the two big names on RSO is Clapton and the Bee Gees. And Clapton says, "Hey, I just made an album in Miami, and I really liked working down there at Criterion Studios. It was a great place, really good vibe. Miami's happening. You need to go check it out." And so they did. 
And they, along with a couple other artists, kind of created what is known as the Miami Sound, which would then later go on to be disco. But essentially what they were doing was Clapton said, hey, you need to pay attention to these soul albums that are coming out because this was like mid-70s. Bowie had already done that. Right place, right time, man. But they also paid attention. You know what I mean? And it's crazy that Clapton, and even he says it in the documentary that, hey, um, he he even says it like, I I, I don't want to, you know, be the one responsible for this, but I am responsible because if I hadn't said that, who knows what would yeah, happen right? to the Bee Gees, but that's Eric Clapton All Eric Clapton's fault. And we'll get to the uh, Miami Sound next, the Disco Bee Gees on Dark Side of the Stream on 104.7 The Cave. Say kids, what time is it? It's kind of like watching TV, but you know, in your car. Mike, the intern, Jay Stevens in the studio this morning discussing the Bee Gees. On Dark Side of the Stream. On Dark Side of the Stream, yeah. yeah man, nice documentary. So Eric Clapton really is the is the reason why they went to Miami because he said, I just made this album. They were they were label mates and to bring you up to speed. And now they do this album, they go in the studio, do this album called Main Course, 1975. And they're in there doing a song, and the producer uh, who was this hippie guy from like Berkeley um, School of Music? Who I love this guy, and we'll get to some of the stuff he did that was groundbreaking. But I guess he had told Barry to, because Barry was like the high voice in the yeah. group. He said, hey, I want you to do like a scream sing These thing. super high and falsetto all things. And then all of a sudden, Barry Gibbs like, oh my God. I didn't I can know sing I could do it. this. I can sing in falsetto. Yes. He had been singing for what, 30, 40 years never at this knew. point? He never knew that he could sing falsetto. I don't, I kind of call like BS. And that's like the iconic BD sound. I kind of call BS on this. Do you think he could? He'd never tried it before? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I've, I've tried. There's songs that I've, but again, he, he talks about, you know, Smokey Robinson, all these soul guys that did sing in falsetto, um, you know, and. But and, that was it. That that moment was, that's the BG 70s sound, man. Jive talking, man. And that was it. And from there on out, and he's that, like, well, I'm just doing sound, this. This yeah, is my that, jig, bro. Their, their version of R&B was what would take them Whew. into the stratosphere. And it really came out like, it, I think it was Nights on Broadway was the first falsetto that he did at the end where he's doing that yeah. thing. And then they did Jive Talking and he did that. Oh, and then, man. Of course, they would come back with uh, Children of the World and then uh, Saturday Night Fever. And um, during uh, the making, of this was something else that was really cool in the documentary. They were essentially the one. I mean, they, the looping had been done before with, you know, different Beatles records. Other bands right, had done right. looping before. But no one had actually done looping to where, like, what had happened was, I guess, a drummer had a death in the family. He had to leave. So they took essentially a bar. <laughs> a beat from another and they song. Took, they took it and did it a loop while the Man. other engineer stood there with a spool of tape and then they recorded and that, that was loop. it. Doodle-doop, because they couldn't, they, could, yeah, they, they, they couldn't have him in the studio but they wanted him to play on it so they used that and, and as far as I know that's like the that's first the, loop drum yeah, that was used to make an actual song. Sounds like it. And man, did they ever hit gold. Dude, not only that, but and this was kind of in the same vein of like what you know George Lucas did with Star Wars, where he took all the merchandising rights, which was just brilliant because he became I mean, uber rich right. after doing that. The Bee Gees did the same thing with Saturday Night Fever. They took points on it, which it's arguably one of the greatest selling albums of all Gosh, time. So man. they could all retire, and their families could retire, and their families could retire, and they're based on just the percentages of that album, not everything else they had sold and written. Just that one, just album. that one, man. It's which incredible. is just, I mean, you, you, like I said, in the d- director, I, and you just look at the the phenomenon that was when that whole thing hit, like. 
they were one of the biggest bands in the world, if not the biggest band in the world for that little time period, you know? And it, 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 wasn't a, it wasn't that it wasn't premeditated, though. That's the thing. They, they knew exactly where they are going. It's kind of heartbreaking to see them go back out on the road after like two or three years. They're selling stadiums out, and then all of a sudden the <laughs> I Hate Disco movement right. starts, and they get thrown into that, which they, they make and a again, good point. And again, they fall from grace. But they make a good point again, though, that – you know, anything that is for sale, labels and all these, they'll start prepackaging things. Yeah, to just, exploit it. It, it just exploited it. Just like glam rock, so much same exploit. thing. You know, the Bee Gees, yes, they were involved in the disco movement, but I think they were more of an R&B band. And I think just to call them a disco band is unfair because you look at, like I said, you go back to main course and they're doing this stuff for years before disco really yeah. came out to the forefront. They just got put in with it. And they, since where they're the art, the biggest one, biggest selling one out of that group, they're they definitely had the a tar- yeah, they had a target yeah. on their back for sure, which sucks because, like I said, these songs are unbelievable. the The guys that played on it are great. The production, the fact that some hippie that went to Berkeley was the guy who helped produce these records yeah. and make them happen. And, and make it's just mind blowing. R&B and disco hits. I mean, yeah. it's just it's so crazy. The it way was it was like worked. right place, right time for everything. The universe came together. But I said right, it, there. It, right place, right time. But with when that comes, you just put keep putting yourself in the right place. Yeah. and the right time will come. And they did this three freaking times. And really, when they came back in like the nineties and stuff, I mean, they decided to go be songwriters after this, and they wrote for other people hey, and wrote a bunch of hits but then more. They kind of came back in the nineties in a resurgence, and uh, you know, but really unbelievable documentary. We'll talk a little bit more about it. Dark Side of the Stream next on 104.7 The Cave. Say kids, what time is it? It's kind of like watching TV but you know, in your car. Mike the intern, Jay Stevens in the studio today. A lighter subject, the Bee Gees, Dark Man. Side of the Stream. So, well, I like their outfits myself. Yeah, I mean, we, fly we, we, white we literally, suits, bro. if we could get some of those going, I'd be oh, a happy guy. So good. Be a real happy guy. But yeah, Harry chest. They, they dressed well. They sang well. They wrote great songs together. Um, they, you know, they talked about how they love being in the studio, and that's really where they were able to write and kind of collaborate together. And it's a cool thing. It definitely showed, and it worked. It was a great. It was a great formula, and they became very wealthy. Um, the thing that broke my heart at the I don't know if it was the beginning or the end. Um, well, I know at the beginning Barry's talking about how he's the only one left. Yeah, out yeah. of really his family. And then at the very end, they I don't know if they'd asked him this, but he said he would trade all the accolades, the awards, the money, so he could have his brothers back. And that that speaks volumes a lot. Yeah, to the family lot, they were and, you know, the feelings they had. And um, it, that was definitely heart, heartbreaking to hear him say that. But it was an incredible documentary. It's great, great. Yeah, just a great, like, these brothers went out, set out to conquer the world, man, and they did. They three, did three several times. times. <laughs> yeah, several um, times, so, man. So, yeah, if you're not familiar with the Bee Gees beyond, you know, Saturday Night Fever, get out, watch this documentary on HBO Max. It's it's very well done and uh, will be a good history lesson as to how one band could really just com- continually reform <laughs> their songs and reform their style and make it work. And that's uh, definitely a credit to them being changeable. So I guess since this was your pick, my pick next, Dark Side of the Stream, and this one is uh, just got premiered on Netflix. It's called Vanishing at I, CISO I start, Hotel. I started watching it already. Perfect. I'm ahead of the game. Yeah. I already started right. watching it. So he's already pre-done his homework. I've already started watching. I'm already on second episode. And guess who? We're going to have a special guest in the Dark Side of the we Stream. We are? 
our best friend Joe? in the world, Joe, will be in on this one. Is he's he already watched are it? Are you getting me? He's, are you getting my hopes up? He, like, no, nah, man, no, nah, man. He's coming. He said he literally said, if you guys do one on he's this, in on this one, I'm in on it. So let me know. So he's in on. Well, this he one. must have some insider info. Oh, he must. I don't know. We'll see. But that, uh, little, yeah. that little tricky Joe, Joe, that little moody cat, <laughs> that little moody cat. Don't piss him off before he comes well, in. Okay, don't piss him off. All right. So uh, yeah, vanishing. Uh, Cecil Hotel, Netflix is the next dark side of the stream. Right. Remember, you can always listen to these on our 104.7 The Cave app as a podcast. Hit like, hit subscribe, comment, do whatever you got to do. Get us out there. This is our retirement plan. We don't want to do this for. We want to do this forever. This is our retirement yeah, this, plan. This, this uh, our, we're screwed. Now, like, hit subscribe. Dark side of the stream. 104.7 The Cave.